The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck. Like a rugged half-ton Tundra, workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower farther than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma, delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. And with new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. And when you buy a Toyota truck, you buy Toyota dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I'll tell you what I did was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play. Off to the races. Touchdown. Oh, he's done it again. Now here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. For NFL Rookie Talk, these guys could be extremely fantasy relevant, so we're going to talk about them again and again. Well, until it gets old. But welcome to the show, everybody. It's Fantasy Football Today on Monday, May 10th. I'm Adam Azer with Dave Richard. Dave, how was your Mother's Day? It was great. Family went out to dinner at my wife's favorite restaurant, and uh, no one yelled at each other. No one threw things at each other. It was like a normal meal. It was really refreshing. A little strange, actually. Yeah, well, that's good. It's a holiday. We have Marcus Grant joining us from NFL.com. Marcus, awesome guest. Welcome back to the show. How are you? How was your Mother's Day? It was good. You know, we kind of got out, uh, you know, kind of took an outing, went around, uh, got some sunshine, uh, you know, everything. Nature is healing, right? We're out to actually out to go and do normal, sim- semi-normal things. So it's good. That is that is great. And guys, thanks. Mine was awesome. Thanks for asking. Um, I was about to ask. I swear I was about to ask. <laughs> More important things here. Friday is a big day. So Marcus is from NFL.com. You can see him on NFL Network. You can also follow him at Marcus G, and that's M-A-R-C-A-S-G on Twitter and on the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast. But tell us what you've got going on on Friday. Yeah, uh, NFL Network, we are back, at least for a one-off show. Uh, NFL Fantasy Live is doing its post-draft special. Uh, I believe that it airs at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific. But like I, I keep telling people, just you know, check your local listings and set your DVR. Uh, and at some point on Friday, it will appear there. All right, that's awesome. We'll, we'll, be, uh, we'll be watching and should be some awesome information. And we're going to ask you about all the rookies today to give you a little preview of what they're going to be talking about on Friday on NFL Network. Let's do some news and notes first. Uh, the if you've heard uh, fantasy football today in five, you heard us talk about Carryon Johnson going to the Eagles and what that means. So they claimed Carryon Johnson off waivers, and Marcus, they've got Jordan Howard, Carryon Johnson, they drafted Kenneth Gainwell, Boston Scott is still there. What does this tell you about how the Eagles view Miles Sanders? They don't love him the way I love him. Uh, that's <laughs> the first thing I know. You know, you know what's funny about this? Uh, on Friday, I was I was on a podcast with a buddy of mine, and you know, he was just asking me about guys that I I would love to see take that leap this year. And I said, you know, I went on this whole thing about how I love Miles Sanders, and uh, now that they've drafted Devontae Smith, that hopefully this this can open up a downfield passing game, and, and maybe you know there are fewer guys in the box. I just went on this whole long thing about how much I love Miles Sanders. We wrap the pod, we say goodbye, we disconnect. I check Twitter, and I. See that the Eagles have signed Carry uh, on Johnson, and I'm like, oh, I mean, it was just such a <laughs> gut punch. It, it was, um, yeah. I, I I keep wanting them to make Miles Sanders something closer to a workhorse, but you know, everything they keep doing, all their front office moves, suggest that they don't view him the same. And so, at some point, I think it's time for us to start listening to what the franchise is doing uh, and sort of drafting Miles Sanders accordingly. Dave, what's your take on that? You know, the reason why a lot of people were so excited about Miles Sanders after he took over for Jordan Howard in 2019, he had 94 catches. He was a top seven running back, seventh in non-PPR, third in in PPR. He had 25 catches in six games. He averaged 4.6 yards per carry, 8.2 yards per catch. Uh, And he was kind of a workhorse. He had the seventh most carries and the seventh most catches among running backs. So, uh, it was a 318 touch pace and almost 1,700 total yards. That's what he did as a rookie. Didn't exactly build off that. Uh, so where are you right now on Sanders, and when should we draft him? 
Eagles actions speak louder than words here. Look at what they've done. They held on to Scott. Like you said, they brought in Kenneth Gainwell and they, they got carry on Johnson. Those are three pass catching passing downs types of running backs. Carry on Johnson might not be able to stay healthy through 150 touches, but he can pass protect. And that's something that he can bring to that offense right away. And then they got Jordan Howard and we don't know if Howard's going to make the team, but that's a physical inside runner. Maybe he's the backup for Miles Sanders, but it seems to me that the, the, the Eagles are sour on Sanders as a pass catcher, and he ranked 21st in elusiveness on Pro Football Focus last year. He was 10th in yards after contact per rush attempt. That's good. But I, I think he's sharing, and uh, it, it kind of stinks because I think the three of us could probably start the the Miles Sanders post-hype breakout <laughs> club. Uh, when you drafted and, him, and let's, when, let's talk draft. When you we would talk him. him up. When would I draft him? Yeah. I th- I've got him ranked as a late round three pick in PPR. How about wow. you, Marcus? I was going to say late second. Wow, late three. I mean, look, if I could get him in the late third, I'm happy. I just feel like there's still maybe the the hopefully the hype hasn't caught up. So somebody overdrafts him. I don't know. Might be me. But uh, I, I was looking at late second. Look, the good news is, is that he he his offensive line will be rebuilt. And this is a team that will use one guy in the backfield more than the others. If you just think about how Indianapolis worked. And that's where Nick Sirianni came from. And he's already talked about how he's basically following Frank Reich's blueprint. So they're going to need one main back, their version of Jonathan Taylor. I think Sanders can handle that. And there will be games, theoretically, where he'll be able to get into a rhythm and put up some good numbers. That offensive line, hopefully it'll work for him. And hopefully Jalen Hurts takes less off his plate. But I think it's going to be a game-to-game thing and not something that we can consistently say over the course of the season. He's losing catches. He's going to lose rushing opportunities to Hurts. That'll include inside the five. I think it makes it frustrating. It'll be frustrating for people to have Miles Sanders on their fantasy teams this year. Sorry, Marcus. Uh, no, I look. I know I'm, he'll I'm be on you. yours. I'm, I'm, I'm with you 100 percent on that. I'll still take him over Josh Jacobs. <laughs> yeah. Well, all right. I'm just going to wrap it up here and and let's keep it in perspective. Carry on Johnson, Jordan Howard, uh, Kenneth Gainwell was a day three pick. Boston Scott. It's not like he's got Kareem Hunt in the backfield or anything like that, you know. So um, maybe, except for when they play the Giants, Boston oh, Scott. Like Scott. The, mm-hmm. He's the Giants right. killer. Start of the week. Right. Uh, yeah. So, would you take would you take Antonio Gibson or Miles Sanders? Gibson all day. Same. Same. All right. How about Clyde Edwards Zelaya or Miles Sanders? Ceh. I think I go Ceh. Yeah. Mm, Travis Etienne or Miles Sanders? I might go Sanders. I think I have Sanders ranked just ahead of Etienne, but that's one that could flip. Yeah. Once, uh, training camp gets going. The more I think about ETN, the more I think about how he's going to fit in really well with what they do in Jacksonville. All right, more on that later, Dave. Uh, GM Brian Gutenkust of the Packers, he's becoming a household name these days. He said Jordan Love has a long way to go in his development. And Marcus, what's your take on the Packers quarterback situation right now? Who's going to be the Packers quarterback? Or a better question, Aaron Rodgers is going to be the quarterback of which team in 2021? Uh, Jeopardy? <laughs> um, well, first off, I, that, that quote made me laugh because that really feels like damage control. Um, you know, like, hey, Jordan Love's not ready. Like, we really need Aaron back. That, that's what it feels like. Um, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I think, I think the, the two options are either he patches things up with the Packers um, or he retires. Like, I think, I think those are the two options. I don't, you know, I, I don't, the, the Packers seem firm. Their heels seem dug in on not trading him, not moving him. Um, you know, and I know... The way I feel about this, what I've been saying to people is football people, I think, have a hard time wrapping their heads around football players who don't want to play football anymore. Um, We're just so used to guys just going out and doing it until the game generally retires them for the most part. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, and and I think I think if you look at Rodgers, like, yes, you can easily say he should have more Super Bowls than what he does. Um, But he does. But he does have a ring. Um, you know, he's made a ton of money. He's won MVPs. He's he's accomplished pretty much everything you can in the game of football. And we have seen other guys who have far less accomplishments walk away far earlier at this point over less. Um, so I say that just to say, you know, I, I don't necessarily think he will retire, but I don't I wouldn't be as surprised, I think, as the rest of the world if you just looked at this and said, you know what, I just don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to be here and I'm going to walk away. And, you know, maybe that doesn't end with a Jeopardy hosting gig. Um, but 
But I think if you're Aaron Rodgers, there really isn't all that much more to prove. You got a Hall of Fame resume. I mean, everything lines up well. Um, you know, the other part of it, if if he does host Jeopardy, um, you know, Alex Trebek never had to worry about a blindside blitz from Khalil Mack. So, you know, <laughs> it's less money, but you can make it over a far longer period of time. So that's also something yeah. to keep in mind. And if he gets a daily double, he can, you know, <laughs> he can we d- level double up, his you know? salary like instantly. Uh, well, I will I will file your response under things I don't want to happen for for 2000, Alex. <laughs> I do not want him to retire. Uh, I wouldn't mind him hosting Jeopardy, though, but uh he can do that. He can do that later. You know, the clock's always ticking on a football career, and he still has yeah. a good one left. I think that would be the most surprising result. But I think the second most surprising result would be him going back to Green Bay. It sounds like he really just does not like the direction of the team. I think he's got the right to say something about it. Oh, man. We make the oh, NFC Championship every yeah. year. God. What's wrong? No, I'm saying they make the NFC Championship every year. Like, what, what is wrong with <laughs> and the And why do of they the make team? the NFC Championship every year? Of course it's, it's because of Aaron Rodgers, but... It's but, either him or Mason Crosby, one of the two. <laughs> <laughs> but they also have built a great offensive line there. I know that might be in jeopardy a little bit. Uh, uh-huh. Losing their set. there. Uh, I actually didn't read that. Um, that I think that they have... Look, the 20, 2020 draft was dumb taking a quarterback and a running back in the first two rounds but uh they've tried to build their defense because they know they don't need to give Aaron Rodgers the best he's he's the best you know he's maybe the second best but he's Aaron Rodgers so um they wisely try to build a defense I, I don't know it's not as much of a train wreck as uh it could be it could be made out to be it's a pretty good team they're you know they're a solid team are you buying that Jake Kumaro was the linchpin to this whole thing? <laughs> no, I mean, maybe I buy that. He, you know what? Kyle Shanahan was kind of talking about how off the reporting was about Mac Jones and how mm. he wasn't going to go out and correct it because he, you know, it worked to their benefit. Right. Um, so I think I pretty much take those types of reports with a grain of salt. People throw a lot of reports out there and they're just not necessarily true. And the report that Marcus was referencing was that he, that the, they released Jake Kumro after Aaron Rodgers praised Jake Kumro and it really bothered him. And that was, the, <laughs> I think, the nail in the coffin. was. I think the, a lot of things they've done the have really turbos. bothered him. All right. Well, listen, let's talk about rookies here. Uh, that's why we're here. We want to hear what Marcus has to say about Trevor Lawrence and Trey Lance and Najee Harris and, and whatnot. But I do want to tell you first about the all-new Stitcher podcast app. It has been rebuilt from the ground up to make it easier to listen to podcasts on the go or on the revamped web player. I will tell you personally that Stitcher was one of the first apps I downloaded, you know, certainly the first podcast app. So a uh, big fan of Stitcher. It's home to all of your favorite podcasts from classics like My Favorite Murder, This American Life, and How Did This Get Made, and all the CBS shows like Fantasy Football Today and Pick 6 and all the ones you listen to. In Stitcher, you have more control, like setting your download preferences per show and the ability to listen at virtually any speed. With Stitcher, you can listen to your podcast anytime, anywhere. So give the all-new Stitcher a try. Download it in the App Store or at stitcherapp.com slash download. So we did Fantasy Football Today in 5 yesterday. It aired uh, this morning. And the, the main thing we talked about was Trey Lance, who apparently there's some buzz that he could be playing earlier than we think. And I asked Dave, if Trey Lance and Trevor Lawrence were both week one starters, who would you draft first? And Dave was kind of leaning towards Trey Lance. We're kind of thinking and talking it out on the show. But Marcus, I'm going to give you the first word. If Trevor Lawrence and Trey Lance are both week one starters for their teams, who are you drafting first in fantasy? Yeah, when I saw this question, I'm like, you threw in the week one. And that really just like, that, that threw my answer all haywire. Um, mm-hmm. I, I still think I am, I'm leaning toward Lawrence. Um, and look, I, I love Trey Lance's skill set. I love the idea of him in a Kyle Shanahan offense. There's just this thing sort of eating away in the back of my head about a guy who one played played you know at FCS level uh, and two hasn't really played that much football over the last couple of years. And I think as much as we uh, you know love what he can be, I, I think he's at least a year away from maybe being that. I think Lawrence is more ready to go right now um you know i just i think level of competition i think reps certainly play into this whole sort of thing um you know and so i that that is what makes me nervous about trey lance i think the ceiling is really high um but i think i think it's going to take him a little bit longer to kind of get it look rookies always tell you the the hardest thing about the the transition from college to the nfl is the speed of the game um and so i think for trey lance it's going to take maybe a little bit longer than it will for trevor lawrence to get that game to slow down 
But if it's a week one start, doesn't that suggest that he's ready to go? Like, I mean, why would Kyle Shanahan put him out there if he's going to make a fool of himself? I mean, possibly, but I mean, we've seen it before, right? I mean, we've seen we've, That's seen, true. we've seen teams do it. Uh, look, I said, I, I think having him there in a Shanahan offense makes me a little bit more excited. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, look, I I just drafted him in a dynasty rookie draft, and I am thrilled to death about it. Where'd you um, get him? Uh, I got him at number four. Uh, Was so, it a super flex? Super flex. Yeah. Okay. Super flex. Right, that's, that's I got him at pretty four. Good. Yeah. 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 So I got like I'm thrilled about it. You know, I, I I've got a couple of other quarterbacks in case in case Lance isn't ready right away. I got a couple other quarterbacks that I can kind of roll with early on. Uh, but once Kyle Shanahan flips the switch, then you know, so do I. <laughs> that's the way I feel about it. Is that if if Shanahan deems him ready to go and puts him in a position where he he doesn't have to know a full playbook to get on the field for week one, but if he can if he's comfortable running. 10 concepts that can be dialed up 30 different ways just by how you line up your receivers and tight ends and running backs. I think he'd be good with it. And I think he'd be able to be in a position to not only make good throws and I'm talking about short and intermediate throws, nothing too far downfield, but also running the ball. And that's the key for me is that Mm -hmm. Trey Lance just strikes me as a guy who could eventually run for a thousand yards in the NFL on top of what he does as a passer. And that's something that's really hard to ignore. Mm -hmm. If you can have him on your fantasy squad, knowing that he's ready to go for week one, 17 weeks behind that offensive line in an offense that will be tailored to him. I mean, they didn't really have a a rushing quarterback element with Jimmy Garoppolo (laughs) or Nick Mullins. They didn't run those guys. Come on. But with Lance, of course, they're going to do that and use his mobility. And, you know, you just think about all the bootlegs and play action. That's a part of, of what Kyle Shanahan does. And man, if defenses give him 10 yards to get ahead of steam going when he's running downfield, those 10 yard runs are going to turn into 25, 30 yard runs. He's going to, he's, he's fun. He's not necessarily a burner. You know, this Marcus, but he is physical and he will be tough to take down. He will be lots of fun for fantasy. And yeah, I could see myself getting excited to take him even over somebody safe like Trevor Lawrence. Dave, why? I get it. I mean, I I get everything. Why is, (laughs) why isn't anyone why is Trevor Lawrence the consensus number one in Dynasty? When we're sitting here going, man, Trey Lance, like I know Trevor Lawrence is going to be a better passer than Trey Lance, or at least we all think that, right? Makes sense. But, and and Lawrence can run too. Let's not sell him short. But he's not a thousand yard caliber rusher. He's not nah, Trey Lance. He's right? he's more like like Dak, maybe even like less than Dak. Sure? More like Burrow. Yeah. Okay. He'll get more touchdowns than he will. Like you'll be happy with his rushing touchdowns. I don't think he's going to get you more than maybe no. 300 yards rushing. 300, okay, fine, right. 300 is a big difference. Um, but nobody's taking Lance ahead of Lawrence in Dynasty. I've never, I haven't seen that. I haven't heard that. So it's kind of interesting, right? I mean, sure. Why, so why there's not? two, there's two reasons for it. Number one, we know that Trey Lance is yet to be a finished product. It's working on the assumption that if he's playing week one, he's closer to being a finished product than we we ever anticipated. And two, it's whether or not he's actually starting week one. I mean, it's really as simple as that. We know that Trevor Lawrence is going to start week one. You're not going to see CJ. No, but Beathard why would that matter in Dynasty? Jaguars unless Trevor Lawrence. Is, why would that matter know, in Dynasty? Though? Why would that matter in Dynasty? Because I I don't know if that necessarily does matter in Dynasty. That's yeah, a good question. See, that's what I'm so uh, look, we just we we don't know yet. Neither do the 49ers. It's going to take a full training camp and maybe one or two preseason games to really get an idea of just how ready Trey Lance is. I think that's what it is. I mean, I think there's just still that that seed of doubt, right? Where like there, we really don't have that doubt with Trevor Lawrence. It, it's right. sort of a burden the hand kind of thing. Like we we believe Trey Lance can be great. We think Trey Lance can be great, but I think there's still that little seed of doubt. And I think if you are if you're drafting at number one in any sort of league, but especially in a dynasty format, I don't I don't think you want that seed kind of hanging around there. Look, if you, and look, it, it was easy for me, right? Being at four, um, I can easily like throw my hands and be like, well, hey, look, man, that was. That was the best option out there, right? Lawrence was gone. Fields was gone. Pitts was gone. I'm like, hey, Trey Lance. So, like, when you're at four, that decision has been taken out of your hands. If you're at one and you sort of, you know, muck that up, um, then yeah, you're, you're going to be you, mad. Yeah, you're going to kick yourself for yeah. it. That's right. It's true. And then year one does matter. I mean, especially if you have the number one pick, you you might not have a good quarterback. So, year one matters. Um, I just want to give a few numbers here. I looked at the last three elite rushing quarterbacks in their rookie seasons. And I would say that's Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, and Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts has the potential to be... Whoa, no Josh Allen? Um, He's not 1,000 yards. 
but fine. I could I could have thrown him in there. Uh, he didn't. All right, yeah, you know, maybe that's an overstep, but or overlook on my part. But he's not. Okay, let's go with what you got. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Lamar Jackson, seven games as a rookie. His per game averages would have made him QB twelve. In uh, this is by the way, you could look up what he fit. You you could look up Lamar Jackson per game averages, but that counts all the games where he came in for a play or two for Flacco. I'm just looking mm-hmm. at his starts. Yeah. Uh, per game, he would have been QB twelve in four point leagues, QB twenty in six point, but really close to like QB 14, 15. I mean, very bunched up there. So we'll call him a, a number two quarterback in in uh, six point per passing touchdown leagues and a low end number one in four point. Kyler Murray per game was QB 10 in four point, QB 14 in six point, and he played 16 games. So there's no fuzzy math there or anything. And then Jalen Hurts, um, look, he averaged in his four starts, and that included the Washington game. He averaged, uh, QB, he would have been QB 7 because he had one huge game that bumped it up. QB 7 in 4 point, QB 11 in 12 points. So all these guys were, were you know, worth starting. But for Hurts, it was pretty bumpy. It was 20 points, 43 points, 19 mm-hmm. points, and then 15 points. That's six point per passing touchdown leagues. And, um, and he got pulled in that one. But still, I think it's pretty encouraging when you look at just the floor for guys who didn't really throw the ball that well as rookies. And, uh, their rushing totals really gave them a very nice floor. Okay, let's go to our next question. When will you draft Najee Harris? When will you draft Najee Harris? Dave and I have argued about this a little bit. Uh, Marcus, what do you think? When would you draft him? Uh, where I would draft him would probably be kind of early, mid-ish, second round. Um, I think in 12-team leagues, I would say you know somewhere between, you know, like, I don't know, 14, 15, 16, something around there. Um but that makes me feel like I'm not going to get Najee Harris because I feel like he's going to be off the board before that. Like, I, you know, I love the situation. I love him. Um, but I also feel like the the excitement by the time we get to August is probably going to carry him into the, into the late part of the first round. I don't know that I'm going to be willing to, to pull the trigger on it there. So I, I like I said, I'm, I'm going to wait till early second round. But that means I, I may not have Najee Harris in a whole lot of spots when it's all said and done. So you're thinking he's going to be a first round pick. I think he will be. I mean, I think I just think the excitement is going to carry him there. I I wouldn't do it, but I think I think we're going to see him, especially you know once we get to like training camp and stuff. Uh, and and if he really is kind of getting the reps on the level that that we expect, uh, I just think look, I mean look look at what the excitement for Clyde Edwards Elaire did for his draft stock last year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, end results aside, right? Just the fact that we looked at him as being like the guy in Kansas City. Uh, and, and thinking of what he could do, I mean, people were taking him middle of the first round last year, and I expect kind of a similar uh, hype train for for Najee Harris by the time we're we're close to the season starting. Yeah, Dave. Yeah, if you're if if you're worried about not getting him, then I for sure am not getting him because <laughs> I've, I've got him behind you. But that's it, it is for now. I'll qualify it by saying that that's how it is right now. But I, I look at a lot of other running backs around the league, and I'm I'm more. I don't know if excited is the right word, but I guess I anticipate them doing a little bit better than Najee. Uh, I think Najee can be great. I think he can finish as a top 12 running back. Adam has talked about how a rookie running back has finished in the top 12. How many years in a row? Five of the last like, six. Right, five of the last At six years. So yeah. He, he's if, of all the running backs in this draft class, you'd figure he's got the best chance to do it. Of course, we may have said the same thing about Edward Zillier last year, and he didn't do it. <laughs> um, but I, 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 I'm excited about a lot of running backs, and I think running backs are going to fly off the board on draft day. I don't even know if it's necessarily a mistake to get Harrison round one just to lock him up, and then you can get another running back if you want one, or a good receiver, or a good tight end in round number two. Um, but I'm, I'm concerned about the offensive line. I'm concerned about what this offense will look like. I know they want to rededicate themselves to running the football. That sounds bad for the passing game in Pittsburgh, but I also, I'm not yet totally sure that Harris is going to look like a man among boys in Pittsburgh. Like he did in Alabama. It's a different level. It's a different game. I know he's good, but I'm, I'm wondering if, if maybe we're, we're racing and, and we're putting him up just a little too fast. Uh, no, I mean, I think I think you're right. I think I think there's some points to that. I think though, people look at just the straight opportunity of it all, right? Because nobody's yeah, scared. That. Nobody's scared by anybody else in that Steelers backfield. And so I think I think when you when you get to people who are thinking first round, I mean, they're I think envisioning uh, Najee Harris showing up every week and getting 20 to 25 touches and just totally being that guy. So um, you know, I agree. I think you know, I, I'm a little bit concerned about the offensive line. That it felt like the Steelers 
tried at least a little bit in the draft to to help that. I mean, they, you know, third, fourth round guys. Yeah. I know don't I know they don't necessarily blow you away. Um, but you know they, they went and got Fryermuth, who can sort of help out in the blocking in the running game if they need him to. So I, I get that they're sort of trying, and that sort of makes me a little bit more, uh, you know. I don't know about excited, but, you know, optimistic, I guess, is maybe the best word about it. Yeah. Um, by the way, you talk about bad for the passing game. I think what's bad for their passing game is Ben Roethlisberger and his elbow not being able to throw yeah. the ball downfield. That that hurts as much as anything. <laughs> oh, I'd love to get into you on, on, on that topic, but I know we're talking rookie. <laughs> another time, another time, we'll talk about Roethlisberger and what it might mean for those receivers because we're still drafting those wide receivers as yeah, Roethlisberger's arm is mostly fine. Yeah, we are. Uh, And that's another thing, too. Like, just let me just tie this in. Like, Uh if if the passing game is going to be this dink and dunk game like we saw for a lot of last year, that crowds the box. That's going to make it a little harder for the offensive line. It's going to make it harder for Harris. Is it or is it going to make him catch more passes? Is he going to catch? Is he more going passes? to though? Who else right. out of the backfield? That's the thing. It doesn't Mike, matter though if, if if the passes are going to be short anyway. You've got two very capable receivers to take, you know, to to run an in route or a slant, and I mean, then you've got Claypool who can either get a screen or he'll, you know, go deep and Roethlisberger will try and hit him. They essentially turned Juju into a tight end last year. I mean, the way yeah. they, the yeah. way they used him, he was kind of look. I, I don't know. I, I I understand. I think I think really when people look at Najee Harris, it's more about opportunity than yep. anything else. And I think, yep. um, you know, just listen, even listening to you right now, Dave, sort of like kind of break this down and kind of go into detail. Um, I, you know, like I said, I was a second round guy on Najee Harris, and you have sort of maybe talked me down even a couple of spots just in the last think, couple of minutes. I don't have a problem with late round two. <laughs> I think, uh, but I think he's going to be gone at that point by late round two. I think he definitely two. will be gone. Yeah. And there, there are people uh, on our site for sure who are ready to take Najee in the first round. So I think, I think I'm comfortable saying that if you like Najee Harris, you better hope you've got a late first round pick, or maybe if you're lucky, an early second round pick. I'm just, I'm not there with the rest of that world yet. Yeah, I can tell you I had the 11th pick in a half PPR draft last week, and I almost took him. I, I took Devontae Adams in round one, and then my cue was Aaron Jones, Ezekiel Elliott, Najee Harris. The only way I was going to get Harris is if Heath had taken both Jones and Zeke. He took Jones and A.J. Brown. I took Zeke. I would have taken Harris, although I think that then it would have been between Harris and Mixon. That's going to be a really tough one for me, but that's where I have him. You know, I, I think he's a... I think he's a Basically where Marcus said, but right around pick 11, he comes into play for me, depending on the running backs that are still on the board. Um, but you're talking about workhorses there. So uh, I think I think he's going to be a workhorse. Okay, uh, who gets more targets? Next question. Who gets more targets, uh, targets Marcus? Jamar Chase or Devontae Smith? I'm going to go with Devontae Smith. Um So I think, I think there will be more pass attempts in the Bengals offense overall. Um, but they're going to have to spread those out. I mean, you know, you've got, obviously, you've got Jamar Chase there, but, you know, look, I, I know when Chase got drafted, the T. Higgins hive, uh, they had a case of the sads because Chase is going to naturally take some food off of his plate. You still have Tyler Boyd there. Um, you know, there's been this talk recently about Joe Mixon never coming off the field there in Cincinnati, and he's going to get some targets every once in a while as well. Uh, I think in Philadelphia, um, I just don't see the same quite level of competition for targets. Uh, you know, look, it was it was fun the little month we had with Travis Fulgham last year. Uh, you know, Greg Ward has come in and made some plays, but you know, I think they still want this to be an offense that that works through its through you know their first round receivers, right? They they want Jalen Rieger to be something. Uh, they they need Devontae Smith to be something. So I think he's going to come in there and uh, if not be the alpha right away, be pretty close to it. Whereas I think Chase. Um, you know, he's still going to, there, there's still going to be games where you'll have the T Higgins game where you'll have the Tyler Boyd game and it won't always be, you know, funneling everything to chase on a weekly basis. Yeah. But you, I'm assuming will have chase ranked ahead of Smith. And if so, will it be significantly? He's, 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 he's my first rookie receiver off the board. Uh, I mean, I got him one, two in terms of the rookies, but I do have chase ahead of him. Um, big, but like I said, I wouldn't, I wouldn't gap. be surprised. I think, but see, I think chase, chase is more, can be more of the big play guy. Um, yeah. you know, I mean, just, he's just so athletic, man. Um, 
I look at Smith and he's he's very much a technician when it comes to running routes and, and catching the football. And, uh, you know, not that one is better or worse than the other. They're just different ways of playing. But I just think Chase is going to be the guy that maybe uh, ends up having more yards, more touchdowns. But I think Smith might might be the guy with more targets, maybe even more receptions. Yeah, I'm wondering, Dave, if the gap might not be quite as big as the rankings would suggest in, in PPR. You're right. And. I think that just as there's a hype train for Najee Harris, there will be a slower, smaller hype train, but still a hype train nonetheless for Jamar Chase, just based on what he did in that magical season, the fact that he's reunited with Burrow. Plus, uh, and and I think Marcus nailed it, the Bengals are going to throw a lot. They're going to, they they put the ball in the air. It was like 40 attempts per game with Burrow last year. I, I think they don't want to do that, but they might have to. Look, they, they don't exactly have an easy schedule this year. Um, they're, they're easily the worst team in their division. The three defenses that they'll play in, in the division are better than them, and that'll make it harder for Mixon to run in those matchups. That means Burrow's going to have to throw. But it wouldn't surprise me if Chase averaged nine targets a game right away. Like I, I could really see him just falling right into that role that A.J. Green used to have in that offense. And I'm not saying he's going to get it because A.J. Green used to get it. I'm just saying alpha receivers get a high target volume, and he's one that I think is pretty prepared for the NFL. I think it'll be rare to see Devontae Smith get nine targets a game. I could see him getting around seven. That's still really good. Fantasy managers should be happy with that. <laughs> and uh, And I think he's... Exactly the kind of target. We've talked about this before, Adam. He's exactly the kind of target that Jalen Hurts needs to take a step forward in his development because he's great at running those routes short and mid-range, getting open. He's going to get open a ton because, like Marcus said, he's a technician. When you said technician, I thought, oh, he's like the excellence of execution. He's like Bret Hart out there on the football field. And I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm mixing up my, my NFL.com fantasy analyst a little bit. Got to save that for whenever I talk to I'll Adam. Pass it along the, I'll pass it along the rank. No, now. what you should do is take it, and then you'll blow him away when you say he's like Bret Hart on, on the football field. And Adam will be like, whoa, that's awesome. Um, but that's what Devontae Smith is, and I think he'll be great. And I agree with Marcus that uh, Chase is one, Smith is two. Uh, and I think Smith can be a number three fantasy receiver in PPR to begin the season. I'm a little cool on him if it's not PPR. If catches don't count, I'm a little bit nervous about him because I think he's not going to get a lot of 15-plus yard targets from Jalen Hurts. I think that's going to be where Rager fits in. And I am I know I should be worried about Dallas Goddard and, for the time being, Zach Hurts taking targets away from Smith, but I really don't think it's going to work that way. I think Smith is going to hurt Goddard. I think Smith is really going to be a key focal point in the offense. And just the last point I'll make is that, and I've said this before, Nick Sirianni, former wide receiver at Mount Union, is a wide receiver whisperer. And he's done a great job of improving the games of his wide receivers. And I don't know how much more improving he needs to do with Devontae Smith because he's so good. But that offense will get funneled a lot more through wide receivers than we're used to seeing. Okay, uh, let me ask you one more question. Then we'll take a break, and then we'll talk a bit more. Well, you know, we'll get to ETN. We'll get to the Denver running backs, the Jets running backs, the Niners, the Dolphins wide receivers, other rookie wide receivers that we want to talk about. We'll get to it all. But this is a big one, Marcus. If you think there's going to be a lot of excitement about Najee Harris on draft day, or as we get to our fantasy drafts, I really want to know what happens with Kyle Pitts. I think there's going to be, <laughs> I think there's going to be a lot of excitement, but I think there's also going to be a lot of people who are like, oh, no, he's a rookie tight end. He's not. He's not going to be what you think he's going to be. So where do you have Kyle Pitts ranked and when do you think he should be selected in a fantasy draft? I've got Kyle Pitts as my number eight tight end right now. Um, you know, I, I think, I think, you know, next year we will probably be talking about him amongst that top tier of guys. You know, we'll, we'll be talking about him with the, the Kelsey's Kittles and Wallers. I think right now I've got him at tight end eight. Um, hold on, know, hold I, on a second here. Cause I think for all of our analysts, I think he's no lower than seventh. So Who's the magical name that you have ahead of Pitts that Ooh, all right. nobody so, else does? I, so Kelsey, Kidder, uh, Kittle, uh, Waller, uh, Andrews, Hawkinson, Gasicki. And oh, so I, Gasicki. Is, Gasicki and who, Marcus? I, so this is where I go back and forth. Like I, I, I flip between seven or eight uh, because part of me still thinks that may, maybe this is – I know I'm going to, I'm going to regret this as soon as it comes out of my mouth, but maybe this is the Evan Ingram year. Maybe this is the year he finally like kind of reverts back to what he was as a rookie. Um, and he's the last rookie tight end to really be productive in fantasy. And he's been chasing that high ever since. 
Um, so part of me thinks maybe this is it. Maybe this is the year he, he sort of comes back. So I, I've got Pitts at eight, but like, you know, depending on when the wind blows, that, that might change to seven. <laughs> but that's that's kind of where I am right now. When you start realizing that you're the only one drafting Evan Ingram in your in your mocks, I know that's when it, <laughs> that's when it's going to hit you. Okay, something might not be right about how I feel about Evan Ingram, uh, and I yeah. respect how you feel about Evan Ingram because uh, on, you look at his talent profile. I mean, the guy is just like Hal Pitts. He's a wide receiver playing tight end. But he's been given so many opportunities in that offense, and now look at what they've done to to add to that offense, to take targets away. Who had more drops last year, Dave? Evan Ingram or Kyle Pitts? <laughs> I, <don't laughs> I think, think it Pitts was had, I Pitts think had it a was... drop. Ingram like was among the league leaders. But actually, yeah. let me let me ask. So you have both Gasicki and Ingram there. The guy that our our guys have ranked ahead of Pitts is Goddard. They I'm don't not have sure Pitts had a drop last yeah, year. Yeah, I, I think he had zero, and Ingram had like t- ten or something something crazy. Um, but they all had Goddard. It's Goddard and Pitts is where the debate is for the CBS crew, I think, for a lot of them anyway. I know Heath I is mean, Noah Fant. But with Ingram and Gasicki, you are talking about two tight ends where their teams signed Galladay and Fuller, drafted Tony and Waddle. Um, is that... That doesn't scare you off of them at all. That doesn't really bother me a whole lot. Uh, I mean, I think I think for Gasicki especially. I mean, I think they're gonna they, they love him in the red zone, and he is a tight end. I'm curious to see where they line him up this year because he's you know technically mm-hmm. a tight end. Yeah. Uh, they used him like a big slot a lot last year, so I'm I'm sort of curious to see sort of how that works for him. But I do think just just the fact that he can be a big body red zone guy will certainly because I think nowadays that's sort of where we are, right? Unless you have a Travis Kelsey where you know he is you know maybe the main target in an offense. Um, you're just kind of looking for touchdown upside. I think after you get to tight end, like, you know, five, six, seven beyond, you just sort of want that. And I think that's sort of what Gasicki offers. I also admit that I'm a little bit, um, you know, maybe uh, have blinders on with Gasicki too, because like, he's always that guy that's kind of hanging around there in that kind of the mid to late rounds. And I'm like, ooh, Mike Gasicki. And then like, like, ooh, piece of candy. And then I'm like, oh, <laughs> maybe, I, maybe I don't love this as much. So I, I will admit that maybe I'm a little bit blinded to that as well. James, that's okay. James no Woods. one should hold you to anything here. That was a, that was a James <laughs> Woods family guy reference there? Yes, exactly. Yes, ooh, piece ooh, candy. Piece of candy. <laughs> Very good. Um, all right, so let me just get Marcus to wrap it up here. Um, your, your general expectations for Kyle Pitts. Um, I mean, I think you'll. I think he will finish the year easily as a top ten, maybe a top eight tight end. And it's funny, I, I said that with Adam Rank, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, and and he was kind of like, really top eight? And I was like, well, you know, to be a top eight tight end, you're looking at maybe what. 55, 60 catches, about 750 yards, like five or six touchdowns. And he stopped and he thought about it. He's like, oh, yeah, I could see that happening. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. So, so I, I I do think he'll finish in the top eight. Um, you know, I, I don't think we're ready to see unicorn status quite yet, but I just think with what he can do, um, you know, I think we will be talking about it because you know, look, we, we are so thirsty for tight ends um, that if we get one that looks like he is ready to blossom, uh, we're going to draft him early, and especially if the Falcons actually do move Julio Jones, then I think it's it's to the moon with Kyle Pitts. All right, let's take a break on fantasy football today. When we come back, Travis Etienne and the rest of the running backs and wide receivers that we need to talk about here, and we'll see if we have time for your emails at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. We'll be right back. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. All right, back here talking with Marcus Grant of NFL Network and Dave Richard of... I don't have a funny joke here, Dave. 
Mm. All right, no, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> Should have thought about that. Should have taken a little bit more time in the break there to think of a punchline uh, of Dave Richard. All right, so let's get the expectations. I'm going to give you guys each one minute uh, at most to talk about each player here so we can get through a lot. Expectations for Travis Etienne and where you draft them. And Dave, why don't you go first? I'm ready to take Etienne before the end of round four in PPR. I think that he is going to get used properly in that Jacksonville offense where he catches four or five passes a game, gets put out in space where he can use his explosiveness to make a play. Don't see him getting maybe more than like 11 carries per game on top of that. So still somebody who can get you right around 15 touches per game. But James Robinson still better suited for short yardage goal line. That's probably the only role that he will absolutely clear-cut have over ETN, and that might be just to start the season. But if they use ETN, like the Saints have used Alvin Kamara in the past, like other running backs have been used in the passing game, like McCaffrey, um, then we're talking about somebody who might be underdrafted at, call it, 38th to 43rd overall. I'm sort of with you. I mean, I, I like him early fourth round. I think I think what's going to happen is that eventually we're going to get out of our feelings, right? Like the the, the Jaguars drafted Travis Etienne and all of us who love James Robinson, uh, you know, we, we felt a little bit hurt by that. And so I think that that I think has impacted some of the thinking on that. For me, uh, best case scenario with this backfield is that it is sort of a uh, you mentioned Kamara, uh, Dave, I think something like that, like we saw with Kamara and Ingram in New Orleans a few years ago, or even uh, maybe a lesser version of what we saw in Cleveland with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Something like that, I think, uh, makes this a pretty viable backfield with both those guys that getting opportunities. Worst case scenario is uh, if Urban Meyer actually follows through on what he said on draft night and uses Carlos Hyde as a third guy in there, then Ew. all of a sudden, right, exactly, you like I'm, I'm hoping I'm hoping that Carlos Hyde is sort of the break glass in case of emergency running back and that they're not going to actually give him a consistent role there. But uh, I, I think you, the way you you talked about Etienne's usage, I think you hit the nail on the head where he is uh, that guy that you want to get out in space, allow him to use his speed, and then use Robinson as more of the traditional kind of straight ahead runner. And I think if that happens, I think a fourth round valuation on him is, is pretty good pretty good value for you and okay. they didn't come out and say specifically that he's going to do that but when they said he's going to be like a third down back doesn't that kind of suggest this? like that's what a third down back does is catch a lot and, of passes and, and maybe that's what he meant there. maybe that's what urban meant because like when he when he said we're going to use him like a third down back everybody was like why did you spend a first round pick on a third <laughs> round back on a third yeah, down back right. so maybe maybe that was the message that he was trying to send. I certainly hope that was the message he was trying to send. All right, next player. Uh, we'll talk about the Denver running backs here with them taking Javante Williams and, of course, having Melvin Gordon. And Marcus, I will give you the first word. One minute on the clock. Give me your initial thoughts on the Denver running backs and basically when you would draft them. Uh, I would take, I mean, I'd take Javante Williams again, sort of like ETN. I would take him in the fourth round. Um, I was, he was my favorite running back in this class. Uh, just my favorite one to watch. And so I was a little bit sad when he went to Denver, uh, and, and knowing that he's going to have to kind of split some time with Melvin Gordon. I am hoping that by the end of the year that maybe he overtakes Gordon and sort of starts to get a bigger workload dynasty. I love him because I don't expect Gordon to be there beyond this season. And so I think next year you're really talking about this backfield opening up and being his, but, uh, what I love about Javante Williams when I watched him is that I didn't see that he was really spectacular in any one specific area, but I thought he was really good at a whole lot of different things. And compared to some of the other top running backs in this class, he has a lot more tread left on the tires. Didn't get as much work at Carolina as some of these other guys did. Um, so I, I I think that you know the situation at least the first few weeks might be a little bit frustrating. So I think that's where you're, you're, you're having him kind of fall back into the fourth round. But I think by the end of the year, um, I'm not going to say it's going to be a Jonathan Taylor like takeover, but I do think he'll start to kind of push Melvin Gordon to the side, especially if the Broncos really have felt like uh, they're moving on from Gordon at the end of the year. I think it comes down to how Gordon plays at the beginning of the year. And if he, you know, develops a little more consistency than what he gave them last year, then I think that that's something that'll hurt Williams. Um, but th there's a guy, there's a rookie running back in every single class that lands with a team that's got a veteran running back in front of him, and we all kind of freak out. And we go, well, when we got to wait for him to eventually take over. And for me, last year, it was Jonathan Taylor. Loved the talent of Jonathan Taylor. Recognized how special he was. But I was scared to draft him because I knew that not only did he have to share with Naheem Hines, but also Marlon Mack. How was I supposed to know that Marlon Mack would blow out his Achilles in week one and Jonathan Taylor would eventually become their great back there? The Broncos have kind of made it clear 
on two fronts. Number one, they loved Javante Williams. And it's for a lot of the reasons that you said, Marcus. But one of the things you didn't bring up is that he was a damn good pass blocker, which I don't think we can say necessarily. We definitely can't say it about ETN. And we can't exactly say it about Najee Harris either. Like he was number one in the class as far as pass blocking goes. But you don't think so? Who's better than that? Uh, you reached your minute. There's no way that was a minute. Get out of here. Oh, Plus my, are you kidding? My, I go like 90 seconds when you say a minute. I didn't even well, get to my second point. Well, but th- that's the point, Dave. Let's go. Fine. I'm not going to give you my second point. I'm just going to keep when it wrapped dra- inside but me you're forever, taking like Gordon, all my other feelings. You, taking- you, can, you, can, you can DM it to me, though. I'll read I've it. Gotta, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, <laughs> here, here, there's the bottom line. I think the Broncos want to use multiple backs, whether Melvin's one of them or not. And Javante was part of a tandem in North Carolina. Uh, I, I, I like the aggressiveness of going after him in round four, but I'm never going to take Javante Williams as long as Melvin Gordon's around with a fourth round pick. Uh, I'm thinking more like round seven, which might mean that I don't ever get him. That's okay. And you're taking Gordon ahead of Williams, Dave, right? Yeah. And Marcus, but it's one of those no, things where I'd, I'd rather just wait for Williams and draft him at in round seven, especially in PPR, just because I think Melvin might get more receptions. Okay. I just want to see who went first. Javante Williams. Oh, definitely Melvin Gordon in the draft. Not in a last. dynasty draft. No. In a dynasty startup, Javante will go sooner every single oh, yeah. Yeah. He'll you, go Dave. around four in those. I, yeah. In a dynasty startup, I, I, I believe he will go ahead of Melvin Gordon. Yeah. I also I, like shiny new things, too. I could have so. figured that out. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, shiny new thing for San Francisco is Trey Sermon. So, uh, Marcus, who's your first San, who's the first San Francisco running back that you're selecting? One minute on the clock. Uh, still Raheem Mostert. Um, I mean, he's still kind of the lead guy there until until further notice. Um, but Sermon might be the second. But here's the thing. There's a huge gap, I think, between where you're drafting Mostert and where you're drafting Sermon, right? Because I, I think Mostert's a guy, I guess you can make the case for him somewhere between rounds three and five. But I think Sermon, you're not talking about until double digits, right? He's He's definitely a late draft guy. What's so frustrating about the 49ers running backs is that you never really know which one is going to pop on any given week, but you know that one of them is going to. Um, I mean, that's sort of the 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 joy and pain of a Kyle Shanahan running game. Um, you know, and again, if we're taking the long view on Sermon, the long view is that he is the only Niner running back when he signs. He'll be the only one that's that is under contract beyond 2022 i believe i think i don't know that 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 anybody's under team control after 2022 so i mean if you're if you're playing the long game there then sermon is definitely going to have a role in this offense um but i I don't think you can ignore him uh because it's just hard to ignore any running back in a 49er offense i just wouldn't spend a high draft pick on any of them besides raheem mostert even him like i said somewhere between rounds three and five is where i would really kind of think about him you know how in different strokes there was like a different character who like the story was about in a given week. It wasn't always about Arnold every single week. Some weeks <laughs> right. it was about Willis. Sometimes it was about Mr. D. Sometimes it was Pearl. So I feel like with the 49ers running backs each week, and there, it might be like for three or four weeks, each guy is going to have his moment. And I think Mostert will have his moment at the beginning of the year. I ultimately did rank him ahead of Sermon. Sermon will have his moment too, but I've gotten into this. Shanahan doesn't give his rookie running backs a lot of run. We've seen that from him in the past. And Sermon's got a pretty bad injury track record. I'm wondering if he'll be able to hold up if he does get an opportunity. So those two guys will get theirs, and Jeff Wilson will have their, his as well. I, I don't feel comfortable drafting any 49ers running back until maybe the end of round seven. Maybe it's when I think I would actually hit the plunger on that one for one of those backs. Mostert first, then Sermon than Jeff Wilson in the double-digit rounds. You know what, Dave, let me help you out. You know what would have been a lot cooler if you had been hmm. like, you know how in Game of Thrones, some of the episodes are about Arya, and then there's an episode about Sansa. Never watched Game Shansa. of Thrones, so I couldn't say okay, that. Well, I was, I was going to let it go because I watched different strokes. So like, I was totally vibing on that I'd never seen. Plus, I'm trying to, you know, give a nice cultural reference for everybody. Yeah, that's very pop, ben, pop culture I wonder, for sure. I wonder if our producer, Shraggy B, has watched an episode of Different Strokes in his life. There, come on. No chance. I've no. never seen Different Strokes. You haven't? No. And you're older than all of us. It, what? Well, at no. least in spirit. False. Oh, in spirit, yes. True. Uh, let's go to the Jets running backs, Dave. Give me your 60-second thought on who, uh, well, obviously Michael Carter is the one to draft, but when are you drafting <laughs> Michael Carter? And compare with the 49ers. You mean we're not going after LaMichael P. Ryan? Um, when, when Marcus said he likes shiny new things, I immediately went to, just wait till we talk about Michael Carter because I love the fit of him in that offense. Uh, I, I don't like his competition at all 
uh, for him to be slowed down easily. A early downs back, a good pass catcher out of the backfield, not physical, probably won't pass protect very much, but a needed part and a needed playmaker in that offense. They got lucky to get him in round four. I will draft him in redraft ahead of Javante Williams, Marcus, because I think he's got a chance to put together more total yards than Javante Williams will as a rookie. Wow. Uh, okay. I, I I think, I mean, maybe because I just am in love with Javante Williams and I think he's going to push Gordon aside later. I, I would take, I would take him maybe slightly ahead of Michael Carter. The Jets interest me. Um, and I don't know if I'm going to you know regret those words you later. Are, you are definitely going to regret those. I mean, the <laughs> but Jets. They, they interest me. I mean, <laughs> one, cause they, you know, they did, or they are trying to do for Zach Wilson what they never did for Sam Darnold, which is actually try to, you know, put some things around him to sort of help him out. So that sort of helps. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm and I'm trying to, I, I'm I'm hoping we have exercised the ghost of Gase, right? That you know we have, you know we have we have prayed over it, we have you know thrown some holy water. Now we just need to like open the doors and windows and just let this whole thing air out. So I'm I'm hoping that that's the case, and that you know they they take a guy like Carter and they they use him properly there. So that's that's sort of what I'm hoping. I like I said I, I like Williams a little bit more, but look, man, if I if I end up with Carter somewhere in the fourth, fifth round, something like that, I'm totally on board with that. Is having him as my, you know, having him as a flex guy, maybe a third running back, depending on on how I start my draft. I think that that's an okay place to be. And now there's the damn problem again. I'm not going to get Carter anymore because you're going to take him before me, Marcus. I've got him as a round six <laughs> pick. And look, I, I, just, I, I just think I, running backs are going to go so early. I think there's going to be so, so many running backs too. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not convinced it's going to push up that third and fourth tier of running backs because eventually people are going to say holy crap Lois I need a wide receiver on my team and they're going to go and they're <laughs> going to draft some wide outs and that'll push back those third and fourth tiers to where I think they'll be that's kind of where I think Carter and Williams are right now Todd Bridges is loving this episode of your show by the way <laughs> um, I'm going to have to Google that later so uh, would you guys take Michael Carter or Kareem Hunt Kareem Hunt uh, I believe I have Hunt ahead of Carter was holy crap, Lois? A, I thought it was, guy. Oh, okay. Yeah, oh, sorry. Lois. I thought you said Willis. My bad. <laughs> that oh, was yeah. my Todd Bridges reference. <laughs> um, yeah, all right. we got a couple Family Guy drops in there. That's good. So, who? Wait, Dave. You said Carter, or you said Hunt? No, I think I said Hunt. Okay. Yeah, Hunt over Carter. Marcus, Kareem Hunter, or Carter? Michael Carter. Kareem Hunt. Yeah, Hunt okay. for me. All right. Who is your favorite Miami Dolphins wide receiver? Uh, is this an easy question? Is it obviously Fuller? For me, it is. I mean, as long as he can stay healthy and not get suspended for for PEDs, uh, it's Will Fuller. Um, I had to come around on that, though. I mean, when they first signed him, I mean, my thought was, well, you know, Tua didn't seem to be a downfield passer a whole lot. And so I went back and I watched some of his games at Bama, like, you know, before he got hurt and was sort of at his peak. Um, And he didn't have a problem chucking the ball downfield there. So it made me feel better about the Will Fuller thing. Uh, You know, and it, it just seemed apparent that the Dolphins were intent on adding speed to their offense with getting Fuller and drafting Waddle. They wanted to add speed to this passing game. So, uh, yeah, I, I feel it made me feel a little bit better about Tua on the whole, but I, I think Fuller for me is is the guy that I want first in that offense. But it's not too long after Fuller gets drafted where I think you'll see Waddle go. Yeah, And I think, I think both of them can do two things very well to help this offense. The downfield stuff, yeah, Fuller can do that. We all know that. I think Waddle can too. But I, I almost wonder if Waddle's a little bit better at the catch and run stuff. The the three step drops from Tua where he's just letting it rip right out into the slot or right into a slant route or a seam route or something like that. And that's where Waddle can just take a little bit of space from his defensive back, snare the football, and then take off for, for a big play. I think Fuller can do that too, but I, I know Waddle can. It's just a matter of him getting the opportunities to do so as a rookie. But I like I like both of these guys, and I wouldn't have a problem drafting Fuller like right on that round six seven fence in PPR, and then Waddle within the next twelve to fourteen picks after that. I think that they're both going to go right in that range, kind of leave Devonte Parker in the dust, and be the the two most popular fantasy receivers on draft day from Miami. Preston Preston Williams is the odd man out there, right? Yeah, no one even knows who he is anymore. <laughs> Preston, who? Uh, I was I was confusing with Preston Wilson, the the former Mets. Uh, you know, more sure. people know Preston Wilson than Preston Williams, <laughs> except for poor Heath. Heath was talking about Preston Williams when he was an undrafted rookie, and uh, he's he's going to be sad to let that one go down in the dirt. <laughs> 
It happens to all of us, you know. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Jeez. All right, let's do. Uh, let's finish up with our top five rookie wide receivers. Start. With, I'm sure it goes Chase, then Smith, Marcus. Who's three, four, and five for you, rookie wide receivers? Uh, for me, it's so Chase Smith. It's Waddle. Uh, it is. This is where it kind of gets tricky for me. Probably. Rondale Moore, and then I'm on Ross St. Brown. I'm going to go kind of, you know, I don't know if that's off book a little bit, and, and it's not just because I'm a USC homer. I just think he he walked into a situation where, um, you know, there are plenty of targets to be had there after Galladay and, and Marvin Jones left. I mean, you know, they're, they're running with, what, Tyrell Williams and Brashad Perriman right now? Like, that's not exciting. Uh, and I think I think St. Brown, sort of like, you know, you talked about Nick Sirianni and what he did for his, his receivers, and mm-hmm. we saw the evolution of Michael Pittman last year. And I think I think St. Brown can sort of be that guy. Um, I I felt that way in the beginning, and then uh, when my pal, our pal Matt Harmon, who I, I trust his opinion on wide receivers, uh, yeah, very very heavily. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he said to me, he's like, you know, I think he's like, I think uh, St. Brown can sort of be for golf in Detroit what Cooper Cup was for him yeah. in Los Angeles, and that to me was like, oh, well, now I'm totally on board. So so I got him there sneaking in at, at fifth. He sees what I saw with St. Brown as well. And just the fact that there's just he he's he's he seems to be a polished slot wide receiver. And he's going to a team that has a quarterback that's scared to throw downfield. And I don't know if their offense even is going to want to throw downfield that much. It sounds like they want to do more spread concept anyway. And they're going to be behind a lot. I think it works out great for St. Brown. He is back to back with Kadarius Tony for me as that fifth receiver. Uh, we have the same top three. My fourth is Terrace Marshall in Carolina. Really like what? his fit yeah. in that offense. Yeah, I like that too. You know, it's it's going to be hard for him to find even 80 targets there, but I think he's their big man in the paint. When when they get inside the red zone and inside the 10, they can use play action. He's guaranteed to have single coverage, and he can go up and get the football. And it's Darnold throwing to him, so maybe someone who could be a little bit more aggressive than Teddy Bridgewater with the football. And I think that that can help him out. So I'm really excited about him. But in full PPR, I do think that Kadarius Tony's got a chance to get some good targets and good catch numbers too, adding him into that offense. I think he'll get some carries on top of it. New York needs some explosiveness. I know that Galladay's there, and yeah, Galladay's going to get all the targets. And Sterling Shepard, I think, might be mostly unaffected by both of those receivers being there. But I think Tony, not necessarily a great downfield stretcher, but he's got speed and he can just make moves. I'm looking at him as a yak monster for New York as someone who can catch passes anywhere from zero to 20 yards downfield from Daniel Jones. And he makes Daniel Jones numbers look a little bit better because of what he does. Once the football is in his hands, I bet he gets the football in his hands. I bet he gets the opportunity to get the football in his hands about 10 times a game, including carries, but you know, some passes are going to be off target. So maybe five or six touches or five or six catches. Maybe could be a little oh, aggressive. No way. Maybe one or two carries. You don't think he's going to get that many? Not a chance. First of all, that's what Sterling Shepard has been with Daniel Jones. Sterling Shepard, whenever Daniel Jones has played, I mean, they've played 16 games together that not including when uh Shepard left with an injury and he's had something like 90 to 95 catches. So that's, that's his role. I don't, I don't have high hopes for Tony this year. Really? I think, you know, he could contribute, make some big plays here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think he could be fourth, maybe fifth on the team. I don't think fifth. I think he'll have more targets than Barkley. But it wouldn't shock me if he's fourth. What I think it'll be is Galladay will have the most targets, and Ingram Shepard will be kind of close at two, and then I think Tony will probably be fourth. That's why you think he has gave, more targets than Barkley. You think? Yeah, I was going to say that maybe Barkley gets more targets than third. Tony would be ahead of. No, I think maybe ahead of, of Ingram. I, I just wonder if they've that. had it with Ingram. I, maybe, but that's the thing. We don't know. I, I. That's why I like Amari Rogers. I think he's going to be second in targets with the best. You know, the second best. It's obviously if Rogers stays. Um, guy who's going to be fourth in targets, maybe with Daniel Jones compared to second in targets with Aaron Rodgers. It's. So I don't even care how good one is and how how much better the other one is. Well, what about a guy who might be first in targets from Jared Goff? Uh yeah, it's very interesting. Um, I'm still going to lean toward. All right, fine. You're giving me first in targets from Goff, <laughs> from Goff and second in targets from Rodgers. Because remember, I'll the guy who's been second Packers. in targets from Rod, from Aaron Rodgers hasn't exactly been a mega stud for fantasy in a long, in a long while, time. It's, it has been a while, but there was a time where we were excited about... Like, Alan Lazard got off to a good start last year. Mm-hmm. And then he got hurt. And he got hurt. You know, he probably would have been about 75% rostered, something like that, if, if he hadn't gotten hurt. So, yeah, look, slot guy, I think he's going to catch a lot of passes Amari Rodgers. 
hopefully score six touchdowns, something like that. Maybe yeah, an extra I one. Think, I, I think he's 10 PPR games. points per week. Tony's going to be frustrating. There's going to be no consistency from Tony. All I know listening to this conversation, my takeaway is we need like a scale that like, you know, a a golf one is equal to a Rogers yeah. two. <laughs> right. You know, a, a Mahomes three is equal to a, you know, whatever. <laughs> well, I don't know what's equal to a Daniel Jones four, but I don't want it. I don't want it on my team. Uh, but look, maybe he's just better than Shepard and, and Ingram. Maybe he's two. And uh, that could be that could be great. All right, Marcus, thank you so much for joining us, man. We really appreciate it. Hey, I appreciate the invitation. It was good to talk to you guys. Great make, to talk to you, man. Make sure you're following him on Twitter at M-A-R-C-A-S-G, at Marcus G. Watch him on Friday on NFL Network. What'd you say, 4 p.m. Eastern? or four? Uh, five, 5 Eastern, but like I said, just, just set your DVRs yeah. and it'll show up there. Yeah, we'll, get, uh, <laughs> we'll do that. And the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast as well. That's Marcus Grant and Dave Richard. I'm Adam Azer. Thanks to Ben Schrager for setting this whole thing up. We will talk to you tomorrow on Fantasy Football Today. Don't move to the beat of just one drum. What might be right for you may not be right for some. A man, a man is, is born. born. He's a man of me. I'm picturing Adam now as Mr. Drummond, like Adam <laughs> a limousine. Hey! Don't know what you're talking about. Lucky there's a family, guys. See ya. <laughs>Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.